Welcome back. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While some companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you get and keep them. Snackwalls is powered by San Diego Code School, a social enterprise committed to developing tech equity through our groundbreaking apprenticeship program backed by a profitable tech services company. Our business model is bringing diversity into development by putting early career software engineers on appropriate level projects with our oversight, providing companies with quality software engineering services at significant cost savings. I'm gonna throw it over to our special guest today. In a few sentences, can you tell us who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, thanks, Mike. I'm great, great to be here. Um, I'm an associate research scientist at the Qualcomm Institute, UC San Diego, and I'm trained as a neuroscientist. I'm, I'm really fascinated by the intersection of cognitive neuroscience, learning, and technology. And um, a couple of years ago, I started building sensor-enabled video games for cognitive training and assessment. And this led to like this really wonderful internship program for neurodiverse young adults. We host 25 young adults each summer in teams of five supported by a coach. But this took me in a completely different direction where I actually now think a lot about workforce development. I'm also a co-founder of a small tech company. So I think about workforce development there. But um, yeah, so that's, that's me weird neuroscientist person who's ended up in software dev. All right. So I'm guessing you'll have some thoughts on some of this subject matter. Um, I'm hearing from some tech leaders that finding diverse talent is a challenge. What are your thoughts? You know, I, I think that this is a place where like the old adage about insanity applies, right? If you, you know, if you're doing the same thing over and over again and you're expecting different results, that's kind of the definition of insanity. Um, there's plenty of diverse talent out there, plenty. But if you, if you want your company to find that diverse talent, you're gonna to need to do things differently. You're gonna to need to look in different places and you're gonna to need to change your hiring practices. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into that, not just hiring, but about retention too, right? And so you know how to look at your workforce, your workplace culture, and does it support or not support diverse new employees? So, you know, one thing that I learned from our internship experience is that the role of the coach is extremely valuable, right? This is a person I like to think of as a seasoned work buddy. But part of that buddy's job is spending time with this new talent and trying to help them learn the ropes so they make fewer painful mistakes on their own. Yeah. Yeah. Mistakes are fine as long as you learn from them, right? It's a learning opportunity. So I like that. Um, what do you think about the push with some tech companies to eliminate the requirement for CS degrees for software engineering roles? Absolutely. You know, I think in some ways I'm a case in point, you know, obviously I, I'm a neuroscientist, I've got a, a PhD, but like, you know, I've seen many people along the way convert into software because it's cool, because it's fun. Who doesn't like creating things? You don't necessarily need to have a degree in it. And in fact, I, I even go as far as saying some of our professional programs don't train people for what they need on that first day in the job because they're not actually working in groups. They don't know how to you know, work with other team members who aren't necessarily trained exactly like them. And that's, that's an important skill. Okay. So that leads into the next question, which is, um, do you think an apprenticeship model might work for tech roles? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'd love to have an apprenticeship model where I am, but due to some, some structural restrictions on what I can get funded right now and what I can do at a major public university, given all the hiring requirements and what have you, um, I can't at the moment, but I think that this is definitely the future. And I'm so glad that you are, you've taken that step for San Diego and for our state. Um, I think it's a great way to get that diverse talent into tech and giving people, I like to talk about it as an on-ramp, you know, whether you're a mom coming back from like 
many years out as a, you know, um, the head of the Lego engineering group. <laughs> I had somebody on a resume for that, but way to go. Um, or, you know, you're, you're really just trying to get that first job. You know, we all need these on-ramps to help us sort of figure out the rules of the road. Um, and, and that's the kind of thing that I think apprenticeship uh, provides so that that very crucial first job is in there and then people can really launch to that. Absolutely. So they get the training wheels, right? And then they're able to, you know, really accelerate once they're able to kind of get their balance and, you know, get situated. I like that like on-ramp mentality of, I used to teach driving at one point and that was part we always tried to do at the very beginning because we knew if they could do it with us, then they would be fine when we gave them off to the parents to do the rest of the hours. So it was kind of like a mini apprenticeship, right? We took the hardest part, which was getting on and getting off the freeway, got all the nerves out, and now they're ready to do that, you know, with more practice. So, do you still do that? Because I got a teenager. <laughs> I'm no longer a crazy person. I got super stressed out, and I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. So then I just did the classroom portion. But then eventually, I was just like, I got to do something else too. I couldn't do teenagers all day, even on the weekends. I imagine why. <laughs> it's quite a ride, so, though. <laughs> it is. So. We talked about getting diverse staff. What advice would you share with companies that are looking to retain diverse staff? Yeah, you know, this is something that I feel like we need we need more work in, right? You know, so there's a bunch of groups out there who's real, they're really trying to help with that, you know, getting people in the job. But, you know, this isn't the kind of thing that's done in an afternoon or a weekend. You know, we need to have, or we wouldn't be having this discussion, right? Um, so, it's good work, it's really important work, but it involves really um, rethinking some, some institutionalized practices about where we look for talent, how to retain it, and um, you know, we're gonna need to change some workplace cultures, some, some mindset, in order to really actively cultivate retention, right? You know, we need to be looking at meeting people where they are and, and looking at a path, you know, how do we develop them over a long time not like, do you fit the bill of what I need tomorrow? That's, that's not helpful. So. Yeah, and I, and I love that approach of thinking about meeting people instead of let's make sure they're a cultural fit in our organization. It should be the opposite. How can we make adjustments to accommodate, like these are great, talented individuals and they will make us excel and get better as a business. So like, what adjustments do we need to make? How do we get better? And I 100% embrace the idea of like, just put some more work in. Like, I think everybody can just put some more work in in this area and get better. So yeah. I like it. So who is, who is somebody like yourself that you like to acknowledge as a leader in things uh, and you think might be a good guest for a podcast like this? Ah, so I, I have two suggestions. Uh, sorry, <laughs> but um, you know, my, my work at the Qualcomm Institute um, affords me the opportunity to do some really cool interdisciplinary research and I get to lead this, um, we call it the Experiential Learning Academy right now, because it's new, but this kind of internship program for students that's a two-quarter opportunity. And through that, I've had the opportunity to work with Natasha Bullock, who's a machine learning expert. And I've okay. seen how she works with different groups of students and just, she's a roll up your sleeve kind of gal, just super practical. Like this is a woman who has years of experience as a machine learning data science expert. I haven't seen a problem yet that she doesn't go, ooh, cool, you know, like try to uh, try to figure that out. But like 
when she's working with young people who want to learn about data science, she's just all in. And so um, I've, what, what really excites me about her and her work is that she sees it as a lens for social change and working on some projects and, and problems, you know, working with smart city data, working with like contraception in India, you know, we had these really fascinating projects that really, you know, um, appealed to the heart of the students, but they were learning some, some serious skills and That's they enjoyed pretty it. Advanced. So that was, that awesome. was great. And she also has her own company. So, so um, sort of things. We university folk can be weird. Um, the other person I've met just recently, but Bahija Humphrey is the CEO of the San Diego Data Science Alliance. And again, it might seem like I have a crush on data science at the moment, but um, again, you know, I really like connecting with her on, on multiple levels. She really sees um, how she can leverage the Alliance's resources for underserved parts of San Diego. She's also creating some free learning opportunities so that it's easier for anybody who's interested to take the first steps to learn some of the tools of the trade in data science. And so I'm excited to know both of these women and see what the, the cool things that they're trying to do to use tech for good in San Diego. Yeah, and I think that's the most important piece is tech for good. Because I, I don't know, I feel like every time I hear a story about like, a super racist automated Twitter bot or the way that they have a hard time maybe identifying people of color when they use like, um, what is it called? Uh, uh, computer vision, right? And computer vision has a difficult time sometimes. I just think, man, maybe we need some more diverse people on those teams to make sure that we're, we're not missing that segment. And it's a perfect example of how diversity and inclusion is gonna make your software better. So Absolutely. that's what yeah. I think. So I think it's very important to be talking about it and to be in the room when data science and machine learning is being talked about because the consequences could be, could be devastating to communities if they're, you know, not, we're not cognizant of the impact it could have down the road. You know, so. even in our educational institutions, you know, looking at the data, we see that, you know, students who come from, uh, you know, under-resourced backgrounds or the ones who are coming from communities, colleges, um, more necessarily uh, under resource backgrounds, but like they just have a much harder time getting through because the system's just not set up for them, right? Uh, and and you know the data are right there, and to see it and realize like we got a big old problem here. You know, I, I like the fact that we can use these tools to highlight problems and demand change, right? Like here it is. Yep. Here's numbers. Black and white. Awesome. So. Where can we find out more information about the work that you're doing? Or maybe this would be a great time to do a shameless plug of anything that you got going on. Well, thank you. Well, so I like to wear a number of hats sometimes at the same time for a very odd look. But um, uh, you can find me, the Power of Neurogaming Center that I direct at the Qualcomm Institute uh, can be found at pong-center.ucsd.edu. Um, you can learn more about our internship program that's really formulated a lot of these ideas about workforce development at neurodiverseinternship.com. Um, and also I had this great opportunity to co-found a company I mentioned in the, in the beginning called Brainleaf Technologies with my longtime colleague, Gene Townsend, and also my longtime husband, Jeff Coleman, and Jeff is serving as the CEO. So we, we took these games that Gene and I helped develop to improve kids' attention and executive function skills, and we made them publicly available. And that's what the company is now doing. And you can learn more about them at brainleaftech.com. So awesome. that's, that's me, those little hats. <laughs> Great. So now the most difficult question of them all, what have you been snacking on lately? What's your favorite snack? Ah, so this is a weird one because um, I've been trying to get more protein in my diet. I've done, I've done the COVID pounds things and I'm done with that. I'm now doing the COVID exercise thing. So we're 
lots of protein. And I am really, really enjoying um, that I have to rest it away from my soccer playing son who also likes it. There's this chocolate dried peanut butter powder that is good in anything, but it's particularly right. good in Greek yogurt. It's called the you know, Fit Two Chocolate Vegan something. I, yeah, something like that. But, but it's but it's basically like chocolate peanut butter powder that you can put in milk or you can put in yogurt. And uh, it's just insane. <laughs> it's just insanity. Chocolate and peanut good, butter. But it's you different. can add. I know, but it's just. <laughs> It's fantastic. That's all I have to say. Fantastic. Agreed. I'm loving it. <laughs> awesome. So we have a few minutes left. Uh, we can either end early. Um, you could share maybe something else that you're working on, or you could ask me a question. What would you like to do? Mm. Well, I want to learn more about the apprenticeship program. Where do you see it going next? Like, I, I kind of, you know, you, you've done a ton of work to get this off the ground in the first place. But, you know, what do you need to take it to the next level? What's your, what's your dream for that? Um, okay, so it's twofold. First, I just want to make sure that the San Diego community starts to sort of internally, within companies, do some of this on their own. So I knew that getting it started in San Diego was going to require a different mentality and mindset, and that it would be something where some companies would need to see an example proven first before they adopted it, made some internal changes. So I'd love to see it become a thing in San Diego, where it's not just the San Diego Code School, but it's kind of adopted really widespread across our whole tech ecosystem. Because we had a pretty good sized tech ecosystem here in San Diego. And yeah. so I think we have the capacity to get lots and lots of people to the skill set where they can be super productive. And I really feel like these are the future of work type jobs. So that's the first round one, San okay. Diego. Mm -hmm. Then round two is to create and really fill out this playbook to be able to hand this off to other cities and say, you know, LA, Detroit, and even smaller communities like Des Moines, that you can create these alternative pathways within your community for people that are not on the traditional either four-year plan or um, really have any university goals in mind. However, I don't think it's exclusive. I think folks can start with this and then they can transition and get a degree. It'd be great seeing more companies especially the big ones, right? The fan companies, the Facebooks, the Apples, the Googles, really embracing this and having people come into the organization and then maybe using degree completion to get a CS degree when it makes sense for some of those candidates. Now, some candidates are gonna go the college route, get the college experience, that's awesome. But for those that aren't, we really wanna create bridges and opportunities for them to get into those kinds of organizations. That would make me, nothing would make me happier than to see everybody else just like taking my book and this becoming the national standard for how we kind of shift um, you know, post, post-secondary education. That sounds fantastic. And I, I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a girl from the sticks. I'm from rural Pennsylvania. And, um, yeah, it's not a place where there's like much going on job wise, right? It's just gotten thinner and thinner and thinner. And there have been some, some not so great programs that, you know, like, you know, pay for or pay little, but like they take you out of your normal work that require a lot of your time, but then there's no right. jobs on the backside of it. I mean, that's not building trust. It doesn't, um, help people in the long run. Um, so, so a kind of program that actually from day one promises a job and paycheck is exactly what's needed in places like that where, you know, these are hardworking people. They want to work. There just isn't really the yeah. opportunity. And, and frankly, I think the resources are there. From my experience, what I've seen is a lot of the money that, that companies invest in making sure people are well-trained and developed goes into recruiting goes into you know, sending folks out to the college um, programs to see like 
who are the brightest, most talented individuals, right? Or they'll spend some portion of their money on churn where there's a lot of turnover and they're acquiring talent and then they end up leaving. And so the money is there, there's a pool of money. And so the question is, how can we shift the spend that companies are already making and put it in a more efficient route, right? So that we can take more folks that we know will be successful in these career paths and get them in with a little bit less friction. Um, and to your point, the opportunity now exists for people to get paid to learn versus just kind of shifting around the, the finance portion, right? Which is just one piece, right? Getting employers to pay a fair share, I think is perfectly legitimate. And in many cases, employers are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for senior software engineers. So if they pay just a few thousand dollars less, then they can reinvest that money in, you know, pretty, pretty a bench, right, of talent. There's somewhat of a philosophy that like, we'll just keep hiring senior engineers, right? And they'll just like, we'll just keep making them somehow, some, some way. But the reality is it's getting tighter, right? And the number of senior resources we have available is not meeting the demand for these jobs, especially as we transition, you know, moving forward. So. No, I, I guess, I mean, I, I spend so much of my life in the ivory tower that I don't know this, but what I see, right, from the, the limited experience that I've had is that when you give a person a shot, particularly a person who didn't think that they had that shot, they are ridiculously loyal and like will, will bend over backwards to make sure that I'm your sorry. efforts succeed. And like, this seems to make sense. And why wouldn't you invest in those people okay. because they're driving forward? So the answer to that question is the same answer that why I spoke to someone at Northeastern. And so big shout out to Northeastern and Drexel, two schools that have these fantastic cooperative education models. And I always ask, I'm like, why isn't everyone doing this? And the genuine truth is because it's hard. Because it's hard to take and work at the speed of, you know, industry. And instead, you know, this, the speed at which academic sometimes works a little bit slower. And it's, you know, there's just more hoops and hurdles that you've got to adjust to when you're making changes to your curriculum, you know, creating, developing those long-term relationships so that year after year, you can get folks into those roles. And so I get it. I get those pieces. And so some parts of those systems aren't going to change, but what we can change is what happens outside of that. And I think as we start to kind of bulk up some of these alternative pathways, they can generate wonderful outcomes, but they've somehow been sort of like looked at as like, well, that's, sort of like a second class thing, right? And so we even started kind of using this term new collar to talk more about how these jobs can have real um, solid, um, well-paying career paths. And you shouldn't just think of jobs that require um, CS degrees as the, the that's the only way of, of, of going about that path, right? There's alternative methods. They exist, they work. Um, I'd love to see more people doing them, but I acknowledge that they are hard, so. That's that's the genuine reason why, right? Well, we'll see if we can get some of those to, to, to schools like UCSD. I know the Qualcomm Institute is keen. Um, absolutely, that's uh, that's the you know it's more than project based learning. It's like how do we really create a pipeline of you know you are going to be engaged in projects that impact the community from day one throughout your graduation. Yeah. That's so much more valuable. You know, you have something like concrete to talk about, not you know your favorite you know one hundred and two class. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. I know we went super deep for a little bit there, but I think uh, valuable insight about some of the mechanics of like what it's going to take to kind of get this economy jump started in terms of filling the gaps for these roles. So 
thank you very much for coming on the program, Leanne. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snackwalls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The tech-enabled apprenticeship program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io. 